0: man Thank you. you. May be seated. And uh, the usher is going to go ahead and come on up here. I'm trying to talk fast, and I was not built to talk fast. Uh, we have uh, good news. Uh, Pastor Brown just told me uh, a young man from our church, Evan Tullison, accepted Christ as his Savior just now. So praise God for that. And uh, Brother Dave, his dad, right over here, he looks a little bit happy. Brother Dave, that's wonderful amen that's what we're here for well let's have a word of prayer and then uh, we have uh, the Beeman family going to come sing for us let's bow our heads close our eyes and let's, let's pray Father we just thank you so much dear God for this one that's come and Lord we thank you for saving his soul and Father we just pray you be with them Lord I pray you be with this meeting Lord if there's another one and I think there is God just let your spirit move in their heart they might follow as well. And we'll thank you for that. I pray you bless this offering. Uh, Lord, I pray just to bless it uh, to this meeting. And we'll thank you for that in Jesus name. Amen. this time, we're going to have the Kendricks. They're going to come and sing about three songs for us and then following them. Of course, we have our speaker tonight, uh, our second speaker tonight, Brother Brian McBride. And I appreciate Brother McBride. He's going to follow them as soon as they're done singing. And I appreciate Brother McBride because he'll let me email him questions and he'll answer them without laughing at me, which is a big thing uh, for me because I think some of my questions are probably done. But I do appreciate Brother McBride and uh, just uh, his faithfulness and his service. Uh, to this church for so many years. So Brother McBride, you come when they're done.
1: Some over there on my row because my whole family went home and left me. So the Kendrick family let me be part of their family for a few minutes tonight and make me feel a little better. And uh, I want you to turn with me, if you will, to the 49th chapter of the book of Genesis. I mentioned to you I had preached uh, out of this chapter quite a bit last year, and um, then Sunday morning when we were here. We dealt with one of the boys we didn't deal with last year, and then somebody asked me about another one, and I got to looking at my records and history and things, and there's a couple fellas we missed, a couple more. So I want to preach on one of these fellas here. Take me just a few moments. Um, let me start and, uh, in Genesis 49, in verses 1 and 2, and remind you of what's taking place in this chapter. Genesis 49 verse 1 and 2, and Jacob called unto his sons and said, gather yourselves together that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. Gather yourselves together and hear ye sons of Jacob and hearken unto Israel your father. So Jacob's getting ready to die. He's going to leave this world. He calls his boys in. He's going to give them a word from God. Now there's some things I like about this. I like the fact that when Jacob called his boys, all of them came. Whatever differences they had, they put aside and came and listened to what their father had to say. And then I like the fact that Jacob had something to say to them from God. Every father ought to have something from God to say to his children, amen. And then verse two says this, gather yourselves together and hear ye sons of Jacob and hearken unto Israel your father. Now notice the words hear and the word hearken. Apparently those are two different things. Apparently you can hear the word of God and not hearken to it. You can listen to it and not apply it to your life. So Jacob said, Don't just hear, hearken unto what I have to say to you. Then Jacob will go through his boys. He'll talk to uh, Reuben about the failure of the firstborn. Simeon and Levi about the wickedness of willfulness. He'll talk to Zebulun about the broadening of the border. He'll talk to Issachar about the soul of a servant. He will talk to Dan about the danger that Dan uh, is going to get in. And then he'll deal with Gad. We didn't deal with Gad last year. I think we might tomorrow night. But I want to look in verse 20, and I want to think about this boy Asher. There is a lesson for us here. It's a brief verse. Doesn't say a whole lot, but we'll look at it, and we'll look at a couple other passages of Scripture with it, and I want you to notice verse 20, Genesis 49. Jacob looks over at his boy Asher, and he says, out of Asher his bread shall be fat, and he shall yield royal dainties. Now I'm going to tell you, that's not a whole lot to preach about right there. Uh, His bread shall be fat, and he shall yield royal dainties. But I'm going to preach on Asher for a little while tonight, and we're going to look at a couple other scriptures. I'm not going to give you the title of the message just yet. I'll give it to you a little later in the message. But I want to pray a moment and ask the Lord to help us. Father, we love you. Thank you for loving us first. I pray you'll help us tonight in the preaching of the Word of God. Lord, I pray you'll give us attentive hearts and willing hearts. I pray you work in my heart and in the heart of everyone that listens. And I pray, Lord, you get glory unto yourself. And we'll thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we read here about Asher, and Jacob says that his bread shall be fat, and he shall yield royal dainties. Now, we might look at that and scratch our heads and say, what in the world is Jacob talking about? But we can understand it a little better if we go to Deuteronomy and the 33rd chapter. In Deuteronomy 33, we have Moses speaking about the children of Israel. Like Jacob talked about his sons in Genesis 49, Moses will talk about the tribes in Deuteronomy 33. Now watch what he says in Deuteronomy 33 about this man Asher, and it'll start in verse 24. Look at it with me. Deuteronomy 33 24. And of Asher he said, let Asher be blessed with children. Let him be acceptable to his brethren and let him dip his foot in oil. Thy shoes shall be iron and brass and as thy days, so shall thy strength be. Now let's remember what Jacob said back in uh, Genesis 49, fat bread and royal dainties fat bread that would mean an abundance of bread royal dainties would mean bread fit for a king then we read here four things that Moses will say about this tribe watch it now first he'll say it is the abundant tribe look what he said let Asher be blessed with children when Asher came into the promised land he numbered over 50 the men did now numbered over 50 uh three thousand men that's one of the largest tribes of the children of Israel when they come into the promised land. So he's abundantly blessed with children. Notice what else it says. It says, let him be acceptable to his brethren. Asher will be an abundant tribe. Asher will be an acceptable tribe. Now, this is an interesting thing. When you study the children of Israel camping in the wilderness, as they marched through the wilderness, they camped in a, in a particular order around the tabernacle. You remember that? And it's interesting where Asher is camp. Remember that in Jacob's family, there are two sides. uh, There is uh, Rachel's side and Leah's side. Rachel's handmaid and Leah's handmaid. And there is a conflict between those two sides of the family. You remember Jacob married sisters. The only good thing about marrying sisters is you only get one mother-in-law out of the deal. But anyway, and so there's these two sides and they are contrary and contradict one another. And so the boys don't get along normally between these two sides. But when we come to their camping in the wilderness, here's how they're laid out. The eastern camp is Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. Those are all Leah's sons. The western camp is Benjamin, Manasseh, and Ephraim. Those are all from Rachel's side of the family, son and grandsons. The southern side is Gad, Simeon, and Reuben. Those are all Leah's sons, or Leah's handmaid sons. But when you come to the northern camp, here's the three tribes, Dan... Naphtali, and Asher right in the middle. And what you have there on the northern side is the two sons of Bilhah and the one son of Zilpah. So you've got the two uh, opposite sides of the family that don't get along. You've got them camped together with Asher here on the northern camp. And what we're finding is apparently Asher was the only tribe that God could trust to get along with somebody from the other side of the family. He was the accepted tribe. Not only is he abundant tribe and the acceptable tribe, but he is the affluent tribe. Look what else it says in Deuteronomy. Now stay with me because we're headed somewhere. Watch what he says. And of Asher he said, let Asher be blessed with children. Let him be acceptable to his brethren. Now watch this. And let him dip his foot in oil. Thy shoes shall be iron and brass. So we're going to find now, remember the royal dainties and the fat bread? We're going to find that Asher is the affluent tribe The Bible said he's going to dip his foot in oil. He's not talking about Penn's oil. He's not talking about WD-40. He's talking about olive oil. And if you had olive oil in that day, you were wealthy and well-to-do. And apparently where Asher settles down in the promised land, there's going to be an abundance of olive oil. There's also going to be abundance of natural minerals. Look what he said. He said, thy shoes shall be iron and brass. You can go back and read in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy and Moses will tell us that that land that they're going in, he tells Israel, that land you go in is a land where you can dig iron and you can find brass. So I'm taking this literally that in the land where Asher settled, there was it was a a fertile land where he could raise crops. He could have that wheat and that fat bread. It was a land where there were olive oil. It was a land where there was iron and there was brass. He the affluent tribe. He is a wealthy tribe. You know what he has? He has all the things we want. He has all the things we think we need. Abundance, affluence, and acceptability. He has all the things we're living for. But notice the last thing that Moses says about him. And as thy days, so shall thy strength be. Now, let me ask you a question. What are we going to do with this phrase right here? As thy days, so shall thy strength be. Now, here's what we would like to do with it. And I'm not fussing with you if this is what you've done with it. But here's what we'd like to do with it. We would like to say that God is promising Asher that for every day he lives, there'll be strength for that day. I like the sound of that. The only problem is I can't find anywhere in the Bible where God promises me a good day today no matter how I lived yesterday. We would like to say that God is saying to Asher, I'm going to give you a good day every day. But he said, that's not what he says to Asher. He said, as thy days, so shall thy strength be. Here's what my Bible says. My Bible said, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And if you live a wicked life today, you're not going to have a good day tomorrow. Are you listening now? You're going to reap what you've sown. So here's what I would say, the fourth thing I would say about Asher. He is the abundant tribe. He is the acceptable tribe. He is the affluent tribe. He has everything we think we want, but he is also the ailing tribe. Let me show it to you. I want you to look in Judges chapter number one. If you have your Bible, look in Judges chapter one. The children of Israel have come into the promised land. They are supposed to drive out the inhabitants and take the land. But I want you to notice what happens. Judges chapter one, we'll start reading in verse 27. Neither did Manasseh drive out the inhabitants of Bethshean and her towns, nor Tanak and her towns, nor the inhabitants of Dor and her towns, nor the inhabitants of Ibleam and her towns, nor the inhabitants of Megiddo and her towns. Now watch this phrase. But the Canaanites would dwell in that land. And it came to pass when Israel was strong that they put the Canaanites to tribute and did not utterly drive them out. Now watch verse 29. Neither did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites that dwelt in Gezer. Watch this phrase. But the Canaanites dwelt in Gezer among them. We're just told that the Canaanites dwelt among the Ephraimites. Look in verse 30. Neither did Zebulun drive out the inhabitants of Kitron, nor the inhabitants of Nehalal, but the Canaanites dwelt among them. There it is again. The Canaanites dwelt among them and became tributaries. Now watch a change in the language when we get to Asher. Neither did Asher drive out the inhabitants of Acho, nor the inhabitants of Zidon, nor the inhabitants of Alab, nor of Aksib nor of Helba, nor of Aphek, nor of Rehab, watch it now. But the Asherites dwelt among the Canaanites. Do you see the difference? The Bible said that of the Ephraim, the Canaanites dwelt among them, among the Ephraimites, implying to us that the Ephraimites held the sway over the Canaanites. The Bible said of the men of Zebulun that the Canaanites dwelt among them. But when we get to Asher, the Bible doesn't say that the Canaanites dwelt among them. It said they dwelt among the Canaanites. You know what their problem is? They've got so used to getting along, they've got so used to being acceptable, they've gotten so Used to having uh, the riches and the wealth that they have been overcome by the enemy. The Bible never tells us that they conquered anyone, they didn't put anyone to tribute, they didn't drive out anyone, they just settled down in the heart of the enemy and lived quietly and never fulfilled what God had for them. Now, listen to me, I want you to think about this. You can search through the Old Testament. You know what you'll never find? You'll never find a hero from the tribe of Asher. You won't find a judge. You won't find a prince. You won't find a prophet. How come? Because Asher is wealthy. Asher is acceptable. Asher is abundant. And Asher has settled down. You know what he is in the Old Testament? He is a disappointment. No heroes, no princes, no judges, no rulers. He's a disappointment. He has lived his days in such a way that now his days today are a result of the way he has lived in the past, and he is accomplishing nothing for God. Now, if that were the end of the story, It'd be a sad story, but fortunately, it's not the end. I want you to look in the New Testament in the book of Luke and the second chapter, Luke chapter number two. In Luke chapter two, I need to read a little bit of scripture here. In verse 25 of Luke chapter two, Mary and Joseph had brought Jesus to the temple and the Bible said in verse 25, "Behold, there was a man of Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word." for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him, and Simeon blessed them, and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rise again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Now watch verse 36, 37, and 37. 38. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of, what tribe is this? Asher, that's the tribe Asher of the Old Testament. This is the New Testament rendering of that name. She's of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and lived with an husband seven years from virginity. She was a widow of about four score and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. You know what we just found? We just found the hero of the tribe of Asher. We couldn't find one in the Old Testament, but we found one in the New Testament. And here's the title of my sermon. There was one. It doesn't look like there's anybody going to serve God out of this tribe. Doesn't look like anybody cares about God. Doesn't look like anybody's going to stand up, but hallelujah, there was one. She might have been unexpected. She might not have been in the place you'd have looked for. She might not have been the one you thought about, but there was one. You know what I'd like to be tonight? I'd like to be that one. I'd like to be that one that stands up and stands out for God. I'd like to be that one that makes a difference. I'd like to be that one that lives for God. No matter what anybody else is doing, there was one. We need some ones like Anna. I'm thinking about Anna. You know she is the fulfillment of the promise to Asher. Think about it. She is abundantly blessed. You say, now wait a minute, preacher. She's a widow. She has no children. She's not abundantly blessed with children. She's abundantly blessed by a child. She comes into the temple one day, and she gets to see the child, the Lord Jesus. And you say, how do you know she's abundantly blessed? Because the Bible said she coming in that same instant, likewise gave thanks, and then went out and spake uh, to all them that looked for redemption in Israel. She is blessed by a child. She's not only abundantly blessed by a child, but she is affluent. You say, wait a minute, preacher, she's a widow. She's a poor widow. I know she's not affluent in in worldly riches, but she must be affluent in spiritual riches because the Bible calls her a prophetess. It's only used two times in the New Testament, and both times it has to do with teaching. And so the picture here is a woman who knows enough about God to tell somebody else about God. I'd say that's being rich. If you know enough about God to tell somebody else about him, that's true spiritual riches. So she's abundant. She's affluent. She is also acceptable because the Bible said when she went out, she spake to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Apparently there were some folks that would listen to what she had to say. And then I would say this, as thy days, so shall thy strength be. She is the fulfillment of that prophecy. Now here what the Bible said. The Bible said that she lived with the husband from her virginity seven years. Now, she's a typo, if she's a typical Jewish girl, she got married somewhere around the age of 15. Then she lived with her husband for seven years. Then he died. Now for 84 years, she'd been serving the Lord as a widow. You add it up. I'm not very good at math, but it puts her up over about 100 years old. And you know what the Bible says about her? She is daily in the temple. She's not missing a service. She's praising God she's fasting she's praying you know what I hear people say well I don't want to take my children to church too much it'll ruin them hadn't bothered Anna any you say preacher if I go to church too much it'll get me it'll get my mind all messed up hasn't seemed to bother Anna any hey get them kids up get them dressed get them down the house of God get them there every time the doors are open you might end up with an Anna in your house Oh, people say, well, I don't want I, I to force my kids to go to church. You force them to brush your teeth. You tell them to stay out of the road. Amen. What are you doing? You're trying to protect them. Well, what's the most important thing in their life? It's their eternal soul. You ought to get them down the house of God. Just keep on bringing them. Amen. Now, that's my introduction. Now, I want to preach a minute. I got four points. Can you handle four points? I'm thinking about Anna. There was one, and I want to be like that one. You know, maybe where you work, nobody loves God, but you could be that one. Maybe where you go to school, nobody cares about God, but you could be that one. Maybe in your family. Nobody wants to serve God. Then why don't you decide you're going to be that one? I'll be that one, like Anna was that one. Now, if I'm going to be like Anna, and if you're going to be like Anna, if we're going to be that one, then here's some things we're going to have to do. Number one, we're going to have to decide to be that one even in a dark setting. Because if you'll study the days in which Anna lived, they were dark and wicked days. You say, preacher, how wicked were they? Well, the religious crowd was corrupt. The days when John the Baptist was born and he grew up and he's preaching one day and he's out there preaching and here come the religious leaders and when John saw him, he didn't say, well, we're so glad to have the religious leaders with us. We're so glad to have the Sanhedrin with us. We're so glad the priests came. We're, no, here's what he said. He looked at them and said, you generation of vipers who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bring forth fruit and meat for repentance. He, he didn't think much of them. Why? Because they were wicked and ungodly. And we're living in that kind of day. Today, when so-called religious leaders are ungodly and they're wicked and they live for themselves and they give a bad name to the church and they drag the name of Christ through the mud, that's the day we're living. But not only were the religious leaders wicked. The political leaders were wicked. It was in the days of Herod. He was a wicked and ungodly man. That's the day we live. Uh, wicked leaders in politics. Men who don't care about anything but wickedness and ungodliness. All the wickedness going on. All the things being passed. Now thank God there are some godly men and women that want to serve their country in politics but the majority, the majority don't care one thing about God. You say, well preacher, I can't live for God in a day like this. And a day and it did not only that the rank and file Jew was wicked you know what the Bible said when Zacharias was in the temple and the angel came and announced the birth of John the Baptist he said to John the Baptist that angel said he'll turn the hearts of many of the children back unto God now if he's going to turn the hearts of many of the people back to God I take that to mean that the hearts of many of the people are turned away from God and that's America today Oh, people love religion, but they don't love Jesus. They love the form and the symbolism and they love the ritual and they love the sacraments, but they don't love Christ. That's the day we live in. That's the day we're living in. You say, well, preacher, I can't live for God in a day like that. Anna did. Anna lived for God day by day by day by day by day. Daily in the temple. The Bible said she was fasting and she was praying. She lived for God. She was that one. She was the hero of the tribe of Asher. Not only will we have to live and, 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 and decide to be that one in a dark setting, but we'll have to decide to be that one sometimes in the midst of deep sorrow. Now listen to what the Bible says about Anna. The Bible said of her that she lived with a husband seven years from her virginity, and then she'd been a widow for four score and four years, 84 years. So here's a woman who's gone through a heartbreak. She's lost her mate she's lost the love of her life. She said goodbye to her husband. He's dead. I, I don't know what it's like to lose my mate. I don't, I don't want to ever know what it's like, but some of you here know what it's like. You know the heartache of it and the heartbreak of it. You know the heartache of losing someone you love, the heartache of losing a child or losing a parent or losing a husband. You, you, you go through deep, trouble and you go through sorrow and and sometimes other people don't understand it and and you just have if we haven't been through it you just have to give us a little space and give us a little grace we pray for you and love you we may not understand what you're going through but our heart goes out to you amen and i think about anna you know what she could have done she could have done what some people do when their heart gets broken they could have said i'm through with god i'm through it you know people like that they've had their heart broken i'm finished i'm done it's not fair what I've gone through I'm finished, but she didn't do that she kept on for God sometime you're going to get your heart broken sometime you're going to get hurt. I had a lady tell me one time I went out and visited this lady trying to get her to come to church when I was pastoring uh, they'd moved in the area and I wanted to visit I took one of the men and I wanted to visit her and her husband she was out there and she was uh, raking the leaves and her husband was in the house and so I introduced myself to her and told her where I was pastoring and invited her to church and her the first words out of her mouth was this she said well Now, I'll tell you, we got hurt in church once. Now, here's the first, I didn't say this, but this is the first thought that came to my mind. The thought that came to my mind was, just once? You only got hurt in church once? You know, life is filled with hurts. Life is filled with things that'll tear your heart out and break your heart. And Anna's heart, no doubt, was broken. But you know what she did? She kept on. She kept on serving God. You know what we're going to find out? We're going to find out in the hard times that God is still good. And God is still, we heard it sung about, we heard it sung about tonight so wonderfully, that God is still good. He's still going to bless us. He's faithful. He's enough. And Anna knew that. So she served in a dark setting. She served in the midst of deep sorrow. And then let me say this to you. She served. She stayed faithful. She was that one in the midst of daily service. Now look what the Bible said. She is a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple. Now watch this. But served God with fastings and prayers night and day. Now, I may be mistaken about this, but I don't know where there was a place in the temple that Anna could have lived. So when the Bible says she departed not from the temple, I take that to mean she was there every opportunity she could be. And she's fasting and she's praying. Now, there was a reason why I read about Simeon. And the reason was, there were three things said about Simeon that are not said about Anna. You know what they are? It said the Holy Ghost was upon him. It doesn't say that about Anna. It said the Holy Ghost had revealed to him that he should not see death till he'd seen the Lord's Christ. It doesn't say that about Anna. And it said that the Spirit of God sent him into the temple on that particular day. And it doesn't say that about Anna. It doesn't say the Holy Ghost was on her. It doesn't say the Holy Ghost had given her a revelation. The Bible doesn't say the Holy Ghost prompted her to go. You say, well, why was Simeon there? Because the Holy Ghost said, get in there. There's somebody you need to see. Why was Anna there? Because she is always there. So I said, well, if the Holy Ghost prompts me, I'll go. No, go because you're supposed to go. Go because it's right to go. Just be in the house of God. Just be faithful. She She didn't have what Simeon had, but she's faithful anyway. You say, well, what did she have? Well, if she didn't, if the Holy Ghost wasn't on her, remember what the Bible said? She spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. So apparently she is looking for redemption. But she had no special revelation from the Holy Ghost. So why was she looking for redemption? She must have had a Bible. She must have knew what the Old Testament said. She must have knew the promises that were in the Word of God that a Redeemer would come. She must have known about Genesis chapter 3. She must have known about the seed of the woman would bruise the head of the serpent. She must have known about the Old Testament prophecies. She must have been a student of the Word of God. And you know what she did? She may not have had the Spirit of God, but she had the Word of God, and apparently she built a life on that Word of God. Apparently she made her plans around the Word of God. Apparently she took that Word of God literally and said, this is what God said, and i I believe it and I'm looking for God to fulfill his promise. You know what you ought to do tonight? You ought to get you a good word of God and just build your life on it. You ought to get in there and find something that would be a foundation, something that would stay alive down in your soul and make you be faithful and make you live for God and make you talk about him and make you want to be a hero for the cause of Christ. Get you a good Bible verse. But you know what? We've got more than Anna had. We've got the Holy Ghost in us. Paul said what? Know you not your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you which you have of God and you're not your own. You're bought with a price wherefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. We got one up on Anna. We got the word of God and the spirit of God living in us. We ought to be faithful. We ought to be a hero for God. Now there's one last thing I want to say about her. She stood out. She was one for God in a, in a dark setting and through deep sorrow and through daily service but Something happened to her. She got to see a delightful sight. <laughs> I, I eighty-four years she'd been going to the temple. She'd been hearing the hearing them read the scripture and expound the scripture. 84 years. But then one day she walks in and she sees the one she'd been looking for for all those years. Somebody said, Preacher. What are you doing down there at Parkview Baptist Church? What are you what are you doing getting together under a tent? Let me tell you what we're doing. We're just looking for Jesus. We're just wanting to get a good glimpse of him and we're wanting to see him real good one of these days. Wouldn't it be good Wouldn't it be good if tonight, while we're under the tent, Jesus just came back and we'd be like Anna. We came in, hallelujah, we came in under the tent uh, just to get a glimpse of him and all of a sudden we got to see him face to face. I tell you, that'd be a wonderful time. Can you imagine how excited she was? The Bible said, coming in that instance, she likewise gave thanks uh, uh, for him. She saw the one she'd been looking for and I'm telling you, friend, if you're born, again. One of these days, let's just keep looking for him because one of these days we're going to see him face to face. Job said, I'm going to see him. We're going to see him. Let's just keep on for him. Let me tell you a little story. When I was pastoring, I probably told you this before, but I've only lived one life and I only have so many life experiences. But when I was pastoring, we had some folks, there was a state mental hospital up the road from our church and they closed it down and they put barbed wire around it and razor wire and turned it into a prison. And they took all the patients from the state mental hospital and put them in little group homes all around our area. And right down the street from our church was a little group home where some of those people lived. And, and we, we had, at one time, when I first went there, we had a 4 o'clock service for them by themselves on Sunday afternoon, and we called it the Songs of Sunshine. But I'll just be honest with you, I didn't like that. I wanted them in the service with us, and so i said let 's let 's just bring them to church let, let's let 's not have a special for them let 's just bring them to church and so we did that, and we didn 't always have a whole bunch, but there were three that came every service, and we had in our church we had two two sections of pews in a middle aisle and an aisle down the side. And right down here, always on my left, always on the front row, always, those three were there every service. There was Audrey, her sister Tressie, and a fellow named Clarence. They came every service. They, were always, they never missed as long as somebody would go and get them. They never missed. And they loved their pastor. I mean, they loved me. They loved me better than some of my so-called normal church folks loved me. I remember one time the Thren, y'all remember the Thren family? I remember one time the Threns came and sang and they were sitting over here and I was preaching on forgiveness and I I got using Brother Thren as an illustration and I I said, now suppose, I said, said, suppose that Brother Thren had really done me wrong. Well, Audrey and and Tressie and Clarence missed that word supposed. (laughs) And they thought that Brother Thren had done their preacher wrong. And I'm gonna tell you, if looks could kill... He'd have been dead because they was over there on that road throwing daggers at him because they thought he'd done. And, and they love God. I'll tell you, Clarence, one day one of our men pulled into that home and Clarence saw him, Brother Cliff French, and Clarence went outside. They were putting a new roof on that home. And Clarence went out there and greeted uh, Brother Cliff. And then Clarence looked up. There was about, I don't know, 14 men or so on that great big place putting a roof on. And Clarence said, hey, you fellas up there, this is Cliff French. He's from our church. You take your hats off, put your hammers down. Cliff's going to pray for us So what'd they do? They took their hats off Put their hammers down And Cliff prayed And then they picked their hats up And their hammers went back to work That's kind of Christian Clarence was So they'd come And they'd come to the altar And I'd pray with them But this happened I don't know how many times it happened It happened many times while I was pastoring They'd be on that front row And I'd get up And we'd had the specials We'd had the offering We'd had the announcements It's time to preach now And I might be reading my scripture or I might be in my introduction or I might even be in all the way in the middle of my first point and and Audrey would say out loud, Preacher, I got a song on my heart. You say, well, what'd you do? Well, what could I do? I'd say, I just marked the place where I was and I'd say, okay, Audrey, come and sing. And then Audrey would look at Tressie and say, Come sing with me, Tressie. And Tressie would look at Clarence and say, Come sing with us, Clarence. And then they'd come up on the platform. When they got on the platform, they'd say, Sing with us, Pastor. And so the four of us would be up around the pulpit. And I'd look at Audrey and I'd say what I said every time, every time this happened. I'd say, What do you want to sing? And she would say what she said every time it happened. She'd say, I don't know, what do you want to sing? I was not surprised that's what she said every time. I knew it was coming. So then I would say what I said every time, how about it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. And the reason I said that is because it's the only song we all knew. And we didn't know all the words. We just knew the chorus. And then they'd say what they said every time. They'd look at one another and nod and say yes, that's a good one. And then they'd say you start pastor. And I'd say it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. And they'd sing along with me. Sometimes they'd get the words right. Sometimes they didn't. It didn't matter. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of of his dear face all sorrow will erase so bravely run the race till we see Christ. Now I don't know if I was singing it right or not but that's the way we sang it every time we sang it. Now you listen to me. Audrey and Clarence and Tressie, they didn't catch everything. They couldn't understand everything. They didn't get everything just right but they had that right. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. I bet when Anna came in there that day and saw the Lord. I bet she's glad for every time she'd been faithful and every time she'd fasted and every time she'd prayed. Sometimes Christian, it gets a little long. Sometimes it gets a little dark. Sometimes it gets a little painful. Sometimes there's some sorrow, but I'm going to tell you one of these days we're going to see him face to face. And when we see him face to face, it'll be worth every trial. It'll be worth every difficulty. You know what we'd be glad? We'd be glad we stayed faithful. We'd be glad we walked with him. We'd be glad we lived for him. We'd be God, we're saved. One of these days when we see him face to face, i tell you what let's do tonight. Let's just decide we're going to be that one no matter what anybody else does. If everybody else quits, we're going to be that one. If nobody else wants to praise him, we're going to praise him. Nobody else wants to love him. We're going to love him. Nobody else wants to serve him. We're going to serve him. Let's be the hero. Let's be a hero. Let's just decide we're going to stay faithful to God. No matter if, if there's pain, if there's sorrow, if there's trouble, if we get deserted, whatever is, we're just going to serve him like Anna did. I want to be that one, don't you? I'm, I'm planning on seeing him one day face to face. And I'll be, I'll be like Anna where it says this. It said, and she coming in that instance gave thanks Likewise. We'll be giving thanks one of these days. We ought to just go ahead and thank him now on credit because we're going to see him. I want to be that one, don't you? I want you to bow your heads a moment, if you will. Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. We're going to see him, and it'll sure be worth it all. You say, preacher, I'm brokenhearted tonight. It'll be worth it when you see him. Preacher, I feel alone tonight. It'll be worth it when you see Him. Preacher, I've been a little disappointed along the way. It'll be worth it when you see Him. Preacher, I've faced things I didn't understand. It'll be worth it when you see Him. It'll be worth it all. Coming in that instant, she likewise gave thanks unto the Lord. It'll sure be worth it when we see Him. And if we're saved, you're going to see Him. Let's just be that one tonight. Boy, husbands and wives, why don't you say, we're going to, our family going to serve God. We're just going to serve God. Some teenager ought to come get on his knees, say, I want to be a hero for God. I want to serve God because it's going to be worth it when I see him. Whatever the price, whatever the trial, whatever the difficulty, it'll be worth it when we see him one day. You know, you might, maybe tonight you're not saved. You never trusted Christ. You heard our dear brother preach. Brother Jason preached about salvation. A little fella got saved. Thank God for that. Maybe there's somebody here tonight. You've been chewing on that, and the Holy Ghost's been working on your heart. Won't you surrender tonight? Won't you just give in? Just quit playing games. Say, "I, I just need Jesus. Won't you come? Would there be somebody tonight? Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. You slip your hand up. You say, preacher, will you pray for me? I just need to be saved tonight. I need Jesus. Please remember me when you pray. Is there anybody like that? You'd slip your hand up. I just, I just need the Lord. I need to be saved. Anybody like that? All right, Father, help us now in this invitation. Have your way in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Brother, lead us. Let's stand to our feet a moment. Our brother's going to lead us in a song. Some are at the altar. If you need to come, you come tonight. What, while our brother leads us.
2: to help us be that one. That's great. Good, good service. Did God speak to you? Have you moved? Have God dealt with you? Have you taken opportunity? Heads are bowed. We're going to be closing. Now's your opportunity. Maybe you just need to bow the knee. Come and thank God. Come get saved. Come join the church. Something. Say, preacher, I need to get scripturally baptized. I've been putting it off. I don't know what's on your heart. Obey the, o- obey the Spirit, okay? Brother Tom, sing that through one more time, please. And if, if no one comes with close. Have thine own. Congratulate, uh, Ian. Got saved tonight, and that's it, it, wonderful. You know somebody else, a neighbor, and they haven't come yet. Don't give up on them. Call them. Keep giving those flyers out. And it's already like Jason said: Wednesday, got Thursday and Friday church, and uh, of course we have Afterglow Sunday. We'll have a little bit more tent in our church on Sunday. But got two more nights here now. I, let me just mention a few things. And tonight's food court. And we've got pizza, it's an easy night, pizza and all the other stuff. Come fellowship as you're leaving, please be careful. Uh, For children's sake, there's another gift, or uh, what's tonight, Brother Jason, again? For the kids, some pop, some, look like a sucker. Big, big sucker, okay, for the kids, okay? The kids. And uh, let's see, what else? Oh, tomorrow night, some of the years in the past, I had different local church, a local church pastor come preach one night at the meeting. I had a man on my heart and I have a special guest preacher tomorrow night, first preacher, and then Brian McBride will be preaching. he say, preacher, who is he? I'm not telling you because I want to, you know, get your interest. and You'll come, and it'll be a blessing. Believe me, it'll be a blessing. So tomorrow night, that, okay? And uh, I think that's it. Brother Jeremiah, anything else? Okay. And, uh... Let's, let's pray, and i got one more thing to say. Father, thank you so much for what we've heard tonight. It was a blessing. You sent your spirit here tonight. And that was a blessing to me, Lord. I know it was to you. And thank you for a soul saved. We pray, God, that you bless us now as we depart. Keep everyone safe. And uh, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to say this. Thank you to the pastors that came tonight. In your churches, it's a great encouragement to our church. We appreciate your support. And I do have one more thing. I probably shouldn't say it, but I feel like i got to say it. And please don't think ill of me or the church, but i got to say it. We're going to leave, right? Don't get mad at me. No collusion. Good night. God bless you. <laughs>